0: Hey everyone, Andy here. I'm going to pivot just a little bit from the film that I said I would be covering in this podcast, A League of Their Own. My daughter popped in a fun Halloween movie the other day, and with Halloween coming up, I thought let's do a deep dive and reminiscence on this classic film from 1984. So we'll do A League of Their Own in the next podcast. But for this podcast, enjoy this special Halloween treat. You're listening to the Bank of Marquis movie podcast.
1: Ghosts, hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. <laughs> Ghostbusters.
2: Hey, anybody see a ghost?
1: They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. Ghostbusters! <laughs> They're armed. <laughs> They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule
2: in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay, all right, important safety
1: tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals.
2: Oh. I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. You see
1: it? The all that stands between you and the end of the world.
2: The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real Wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. you want this body? Is this a trick question? Got <laughs> stick? Hold! Hold. Em up! Smoke him! Make him hard! Ready!
1: Ghostbusters, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Coming to save the world. You gonna call? Ghostbusters.
2: We came, we saw, we kicked it.
0: And that, of course, is the trailer for the 1984 supernatural comedy Ghostbusters, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Sigourney Weaver, and Rick Moranis, and directed by Ivan Reitman.
1: Afraid of
0: no Hi, I'm Andy, and I like movies, all sorts of movies. From old Hollywood movies, that's the movies before 1960, to new Hollywood films, those are the movies of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, to modern Hollywood films. That's a film from 1990 until today. And today we're going to do a special Halloween reminiscence of the 1984 classic Ghostbusters.
1: Ghostbusters.
0: Now this was inspired by Dan Aykroyd's fascination with a belief in the paranormal. Now he inherited this from his father who wrote the book A History of Ghosts. And his mother, who claimed she had seen ghosts. And one of his grandfathers, who experimented with using radios to contact the dead. And a great-grandfather who was a renowned spiritualist. And in 1981, he read an article on quantum physics and parapsychology, which gave him the idea of trapping ghosts. Now, he was also drawn to the idea of modernizing the comedic ghost films of the mid 20th century made by folks like Abbott and Costello, Bob Hope, and the Bowery Boys. And I would like to add into that Don Knotts, The Ghost, and Mr. Chicken. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Aykroyd began writing the script and intended to star in it himself with Eddie Murphy and his friend and fellow Saturday Night Live alum, John Belushi. But when Belushi passed away, he turned to another SNL castmate, Bill Murray, who agreed to join the project. Now, Aykroyd pitched his concept as three men who chase ghosts, even providing a sketch of the Marshmallow Man. He likened them to normal pest control workers, saying that calling a Ghostbuster was just like getting rats removed. Now, after his successes with Animal House Meatballs and Stripes, Ackroyd felt Ivan Reitman was the logical choice for director. Now, Reitman met with Ackroyd over lunch, and following lunch, Reitman and Ackroyd walked to Burbank Studios to meet with Harold Ramis. Now, Reitman had worked with Ramis on Animal House Meatballs and Stripes, and believed he could better execute the tone he intended for the script than Ackroyd. Murphy had left the project, so Reitman felt Ramis should portray a Ghostbuster, and he adjusted Murphy's role to a smaller one as the fourth Ghostbuster, later to be cast with Ernie Hudson. Now, according to Hudson, in an earlier version of the script, his character, Winston, had a larger role as an Air Force demolitions expert with elaborate backstory. Now, Ackroyd, Ramis, and Reitman began reworking the script, and having 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 written for Murray multiple times before, Ramis said he knew how to handle Murray's character's voice. Now, it was decided early on that Ramis' character would be the brains of the Ghostbusters and Aykroyd's was the heart and Murray, the mouth. See, Aykroyd drew inspiration from Hollywood archetypes, you know, he said like the scarecrow, the lion, and the tin man. Principal photography began in New York City on October 28, 1983 on a budget of approximately $30 million. New York filming lasted approximately six weeks and ended just before Christmas. They then moved in the new year to Los Angeles, and principal photography concluded at the end of January
1: 1984. Get on with it! Yes! Get on with it!
0: We open at the New York Public Library. An elderly librarian, is there any other kind, is putting books away deep in the stacks. Books start floating from shelf to shelf behind her back. The cards in the library card catalog start to fly out of the drawers. The librarian is scared. she runs, and as she turns the corner, a bright light flashes on her and we hear a roar and she screams We now go onto to a college campus into the laboratory for paranormal studies. Here Dr. Peter Venkman, Where? Bill Murray is conducting experiments. No matter the outcome, he zaps the guy and rewards the girl.
2: Clear your head.
0: Clearly, he has one thing on his mind.
2: All right, tell me what you think it is.
1: Is it a star?
2: It is a star. Very good, that's great.
0: So while he conducts his experiments, let's talk about Dr. Venkman himself, the great Bill Murray. Born and raised just outside of Chicago, Bill Murray was one of nine children raised in an Irish Catholic family. During his teen years, he worked as a golf caddy to fund his education at the Jesuit High School. After graduating from Loyola Academy, Murray attended Regis University in Denver, Colorado, taking pre-med courses. He quickly dropped out. With an invitation from his older brother Brian, Murray got a start at the second city in Chicago an improv comedy troupe, He was recruited by John Belushi and became a featured player on the National Lampoon Radio Hour, which also starred Belushi, Gilda Radner, and Dan Aykroyd. In 1975, an off-Broadway version of a Lampoon show led to his first television role as a cast member of the ABC variety show Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell. Oh, by the way, at the same time, another sketch comedy show called Saturday Night premiered on NBC that featured Belushi, Aykroyd, Radner, and others. Now, Cosell's show lasted one season, and Murray was hired to replace Chevy Chase in the second year of NBC Saturday Night Live. He remained a cast member there for three seasons from 77 to 80, when pretty much all of the original cast left the show. He had an uncredited role in the Martin Scorsese independent flick Next Stop Greenwich Village in 1976, which I saw and meh. His first major role was as Tripper, a camp counselor in the comedy Meatballs. He next played Hunter S. Thompson in Where the Buffalo Roam, a really interesting flick that I think he's very good in and then shot to stardom as Carl Spackler in Caddyshack in 1980. Right after that, he played John in Stripes, and a star star was born. born. His next film role was an interesting turn in the Academy Award-winning film Tootsie as Dustin Hoffman's roommate Jeff. Uh, It is said that most of his scenes in that film were improvised by Murray. He next starred as... Dr. Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters in 84, and then followed that up with a dramatic turn in The Razor's Edge. He played a patient of the dentist in a film version of the musical Little Shop of Horrors in 1986, and starred as Frank Cross in Scrooged, a modern tale of A Christmas Carol in 1988. In 89, he reprised his role as Dr. Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters 2, an experience that Murray has said was not very pleasant for him. He starred opposite Gina Davis and Randy Quaid in the comedy crime caper film Quick Change in 1990, and then in rapid succession played Bob in What About Bob? Phil in Groundhog Day. Milo in Mad Dog and Glory, Bunny Breckenridge in Ed Wood, Ernie McCracken in Kingpin, and then portrayed himself in the Michael Jordan meets Looney Tunes film Space Jam in 1996. He starred as Wallace Ritchie in The Man Who Knew Too Little little in 1997, a funny little movie that is not as well-seen as it should be. He partnered up with director Wes Anderson for the first time in the quirky comedy Rushmore in 1998, which won him the Best Supporting Actor Award from the New York Films Critics Circle, the National Society of Film Critics, and the Los Angeles Film Critics Association. In 2000, after playing Bosley in a version of Charlie's Angels, uh, he decided to go a more... Serious Route, playing Polonius in Hamlet, Raleigh St. Clair in The Royal Tenenbaums, another Wes Anderson film, and then went straight up dramatic in Lost in Translation, uh, opposite Scarlett Johansson. Uh, This film garnered Murray his first, and thus far only, Academy Award nomination. He came back for some reason as the voice of the lasagna-loving cat Garfield in a film adaptation of the beloved comic. Re-teamed once again with Anderson for The Life Aquatic with Steve Zo. Came back for Garfield, The Tale of Two Kitties. Apparently, the Garfield films pay a lot. Uh, teamed up with Anderson again for the Darjeeling Limited. Came back to comedy briefly as Agent 13 in the Steve Carell film Get Smart. Took part in the quirky film Get Low in 2009, which is kind of a mystery drama, kind of equal parts, I don't know, folktale, fable, legend, uh, just an interesting, unique film. He had a wonderful cameo as himself in the zombie comedy Zombieland. Did the voice of the Badger in the Wes Anderson stop-motion film The Fantastic Mr. Fox, teamed up with Anderson again for Moonrise Kingdom in 2012. Played FDR in Hyde Park on the Hudson, and it really isn't a bad performance there. Uh, Was in the awful The Monuments Men in 2014 with George Clooney. Teamed up once again with Anderson for the Grand Budapest Hotel in 2014. And played Vincent in St. Vincent in 2014. And I absolutely loved his performance in this film and thought he deserved an Oscar nomination for this. He did a quirky little Christmas special called A Very Merry Christmas in 2015. I think it played on Netflix and it's interesting. He voiced the role of Baloo in the live action version of The Jungle Book in 2016. Did a small cameo in the all female version of Ghostbusters in 2016. Again, a movie that just wasn't very good. Played the voice of Boss in the Wes Anderson stop-motion film Isle of Dogs in 2018. Chief Clip Robertson in the extremely deadpan zombie flick The Dead Don't Die, opposite Adam Driver. Again, not very good. At least not as good as it should have been. Uh, Reprised his role as Bill Murray in the sequel Zombieland Double Tap in 2019. Is currently starring opposite... Rashida Jones and a Sofia Coppola film, Whoa. On the Rocks, very reminiscent ah. of Lost in Translation. And it is reported that he'll reprise his role as Dr. Peter Venkman in the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife. A known quirky personality, Murray is often hard to get a hold of and is even more difficult to pin down for movies. movies. <laughs> Now, Venkman's colleague, Ray Stantz, played by Dan Aykroyd, comes in and tells Venkman that, that there has been an apparition sighting at First the New time. York Public Library. They head over there to meet up with their third colleague, Egon Spangler, Harold Ramis. It's here. They turn a corner and find... A
1: full dorsal apparition, and it's real. So
2: what do we do?
0: Venkman realizes that Stance and Egon have no idea what to do. Could you
2: come over here and talk to me for a second, please? Would you just come over here for a second, please? Right over here. Come here, Francine.
0: Come here. The comedic timing of this trio is incredible. What do you think? You already know that you're Stop. in for a fun run. We've gotta make contact.
2: One of us should actually try to speak to it. Good idea.
0: Well, we know who's gonna get this assignment. Hello.
2: I'm Peter. Where are you from? Originally.
0: Shh. Stance has a plan. Okay. I have a plan. Get her! Ah! Well, that didn't work too well.
2: <laughs> Get her! That was your whole plan. Get her.
0: They head back to their offices at the university to find them. that they are getting evicted.
2: Hey, Dean Yeager! I trust you're moving us to better quarters on campus. No, you're being moved off campus.
0: Venkman talks stamps into going into business themselves.
2: This is a major disgrace. You're always so concerned about your reputation. Einstein did his best stuff when he was working as a patent clerk. You know how much a patent clerk earns? For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves.
0: They take out rent on an old fire station.
1: I think this building should be condemned.
2: Hey, does this pole still work? Wow, this place is great. When can we move in? You've gotta try this pole. I'm gonna get my stuff. Hey, we should stay here tonight. Sleep here, you know, to try it out. I think we'll take it.
0: Now, on the other side of town, a musician, Dana Barrett Sigourney Weaver, is met in the hallway by her neighbor, Lewis Tully.
2: Oh, Dana, it's you. Oh, hi. Yes, Louis, it's I me. I thought it was a drugstore. Oh, are you sick? Oh, no, no, I'm fine. I feel great. Just ordered some more vitamins and stuff. I was just exercising. I taped 20 minute workout on my machine and played it back at high speed, so it only took 10 minutes. I got a great workout. Good. You want to come in for a Mineral Waters? So? Oh, I'd really like to, um, Lewis, but I have to go to rehearsal now. Excuse me. No sweat.
0: And while Dana has a paranormal experience, let's talk about Dana, Sigourney Weaver. All right, Sigourney Weaver. She was born on October 8th, 1949, in Manhattan. Her father, Sylvester L. Pat Weaver, has been credited for being the person who created The Today Show. In 1969, Sigourney enrolled in Stanford University, majoring in English Lit. After completing her studies, she went on to the Yale School of Drama, where amongst her classmates was somebody by the name of Meryl Streep. Uh, She worked on the stage, mostly off-Broadway and off-Off-Broadways during the 70s, but was cast in 1977 in the role Shelley Duvall would end up playing in the Woody Allen film Annie Hall. She had to reject the part due to prior stage commitments. In the end, however, Woody Allen offered her a part in the film, a part that ended up being on screen for only six seconds. She later appeared in the film Madman in 78, and then broke onto the scene with her big smash hit, Alien, in 1979, starring as Lieutenant Ellen Ripley. She next appeared in Eyewitness and The Year of Living Dangerously, and she wanted to try her hand at comedies, so she was cast in two comedies, uh, Deal of the Century starring Chevy Chase, which was awful, and the mega hit Ghostbusters in 1984. She was also nominated for a Tony Award that year for her Tour de Force performance in the play Hurley Burley. She then reprised her role as Ellen Ripley in the 1986 sequel, Aliens, one of the rare sequels that, while I wouldn't say is better than the first, it certainly outpaced it as a different kind of movie and earned Weaver her first Academy Award nomination. In 1988, she's one of those rare performers that had two acting nominations in the same year as Best Supporting Actress in the comedy Working Girl and as best actress playing Diane Fossey in Gorillas in the Mist. She would win neither of them. She would come back for Ghostbusters 2 in 89 and Alien 3 in 1992. Some other notable performances of her 88 acting credits in IMDb is in Dave opposite Kevin Kline in 1993, Death and the Maiden in 94, Jeffrey in 95, Copycat, in '95, kind of a poor man, Silence of the Lambs, but she's really good in it, and actually I kind of like it. In 1997, she starred as Janie Carver in The Ice Storm, about a bunch of suburban Connecticut people, their loves and losses. My little side fact on that is I was directing a show in New Canaan, Connecticut at the time, and we had to cancel one performance because the movie producers wanted to film a scene right around our theater. Though they didn't shut us down, they just bought every seat in the house and told us not to perform. Uh, in 1997, she returned as Ellen Ripley in Everybody Alien Resurrection, was in the wonderful it's Star Trek Send Up Galaxy and Quest and, uh, in 1999 uh, with right, Tim lines, Allen and Alan Rickman, in the, end, in the con man film Heartbreakers in 2001, the played the buttons, Warden in wiring. Holes in 2003, Alice Hunt in The Village in 2004, and M. Night Shyamalan Jamie film Paul's that, hmm. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't very good. She was the voice of the ship's computer in the Pixar animated film Wall-E in 2008. Then came back as Dr. Grace Augustine in the mega-hit Avatar, directed by James Cameron in 2009. She had a wonderful turn as the director in the horror comedy Cabin in the Woods in 2011. And if you haven't seen this film, check it out. It's great. Starred as Elaine Barish in the 2012 TV miniseries Political Animals. Played Michelle Bradley in Chappie in 2015, a awful like film. Too. Was in the For Pixar animated sure. film Finding Dory as herself oh, in 2016 and uh, did a cameo in the all-female Ghostbusters in 2016. Grandma in A Monster a Calls, also in 2016, which is just a garbage? wonderful uh, film. Check that one out is said to be in the next Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is coming out in June of 2021, as well as one, two, three, four Avatar sequels that are scheduled to come out between 2022 and 2028.
2: Oh, excuse me. Is this, this is the Ghostbusters office? Yes, it is. Can I help you?
0: Dana goes to visit the Ghostbusters, and Venkman is instantly smitten with her. I'm Peter Venkman. May I help you? So, while Dana tells her story to the Ghostbusters, let's talk know. about the person well, who's called say, the heart of this of film, unusual. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was born on July 1, 1952, in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. He was raised in the Catholic Church, and until age 17, he intended to become a priest. He studied criminology and sociology at Carleton University, but dropped out before completing his degree. He worked as a comedian in various Canadian nightclubs and ran an after-hour speakeasy in Toronto for several years. He then became a member of the Second City Comedy Troupe in 1973 in both Toronto and Chicago. He gained fame as one of the original not ready for primetime players on Saturday Night Live, where he appeared in its first four seasons from 75 to 79. And for my money, pound for pound, he was the best one of them all. Just a steady rock of a performer. I think my favorite bits of his was certainly as Julia Child when he cuts himself, the bassomatic infomercial huckster, and as Tom Snyder. Oh, and who could forget Jane, you ignorant slut. Now, in 1977, he received an Emmy Award for his writing on SNL. He would make small appearances in films like Mr. Mike's Mondo video in 1979 and the awful Steven Spielberg comedy 1941 in 1979 before hitting it big as Elwood Blues in the Blues Brothers movie opposite John Belushi. He next would star as Vic in the bizarre comedy Neighbors, which uh, I would highly recommend you go check it out. It's, uh, It's different. And then played Dr. Detroit in a so-so comedy called Dr. Detroit. Really hit the stratosphere, playing Louis Winthorpe III in Trading Places opposite Eddie Murphy in 83 and was kind of a narrator of the Twilight Zone movie in 1983. He reprised his TV role of Beldar of the Coneheads in a Coneheads movie, and did just a brief cameo in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where it has it right, that Aykroyd boys. just showed up on the set, it's and Dr. they Bankman. offered him this small part, and so he filmed it. In 84, he wrote and starred in Ghostbusters. He sticks out for being the non-singer in the We Are The World video in 1985, Whenever you watch that video, you go, hey, look, there's Michael Jackson. Look, there's Diana Ross. There's Bob Dylan and Dan Aykroyd. He played Austin doing? Milbarge opposite Chevy Chase and Spies D- Like D- Us and did a great Joe Friday imitation opposite Tom Hanks in the movie version of Nut* in 1987. A series of forgettable comedies followed The Couch Trip, She's Having a Baby, The Great Outdoors, Caddyshack 2, he should probably really forget that one, My Stepmother's an Alien, Ghostbusters 2, and then became the first Saturday Night Live alum to be nominated for an Oscar for his supporting turn as Bully Werthen in Driving Miss Daisy in 1989. So there, there's a trivia question for you. Had a uh, dramatic turn in the film My Girl in 1991 and played Mother the Conspiracy Theorist in the Robert Redford heist film Sneakers in 92. I just watched this the other day. The film is great. Played Max Sennett in Chaplin, the Robert Downey Jr. biopic of Charlie Chaplin. Played Zelensky in Tommy Boy in 95. Did an uncredited turn as Raymond Stance in Casper the Friendly Ghost in 95. And again, did a bunch of uh, not very good films like *Sergeant Bilko, Getting Away with Murder, Celtic Pride, before landing as President William Haney in My Fellow Americans, a Jack Lemmon, James Garner, a film, which is a lot of fun. I played Grocer in the hitman film *Gross Point Blank* in '97, which is absolutely wonderful. Oh, Reprised his this role of Elwyn Blues so in *Blue Brothers, Brothers* 2000 in, in 1998. Did the voice of Chip in the DreamWorks computer-generated animated film *Ants* in '98. Played Captain and Thurman and in started. *Pearl Harbor* in 2001. Pete in Crossroads in 2002, Dr. Keats in Fifty First Dates in 2004, Vic in Christmas of the Cranks in 2004, the voice of Yogi Bear in Yogi Bear in 2010. And by then, his appearances in TV and film were few and far between because he had other business interests. He started up the House of Blues restaurant chain as well as the Crystal Head Vodka brand known for its distinctive skull-shaped bottle. He did a cameo like everybody else. Else in the Ghostbusters all-female remake in 2016, and is in Ghostbusters Afterlife, due out next year.
2: And I say, my God, there's someone with the same problem I have. Yes, we both have the same problem, you.
0: Now, here's an interesting note in this film. It is during this scene that the Venkman character moves from smart Alec Charlatan to real Ghostbuster. Now, he is going to pursue Dana, no matter what it takes, even if it means he has to take this whole Ghostbuster thing seriously.
2: And then she threw me out of her life. She thought I was a creep. She thought I was a geek, and she probably wasn't the first. You are so odd. I've got it. No, 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 no. I'll prove myself to you. It's not necessary. Yeah, I'll solve your little problem. Okay. And then you'll say, Pete Venkman's a guy who can get things done. Right. I wonder what makes him tick. I wonder. I wonder if he'd be interested in knowing what makes me tick. Right. I'll bet you're going to be thinking about me. The, After I'm gone. I bet
0: I am. Now, back at the firehouse, the Ghostbusters are having their last meal.
2: To our first
0: customer.
2: To our first and only customer. But. We got one! The
0: call! The Ghostbusters head to the posh Sedgwick Hotel and have their encounter with Slimer. So, while this plays out, let's talk about the third Ghostbuster and one of the main writers of this film. Harold Ramis. Known more for his directing and writing than his acting, Harold Ramis got a start in comedy as Playboy magazine's joke editor and a reviewer. In 1969, he joined Chicago's Second City's improv troupe before moving to New York to help write and perform in the National Lampoon Show with other Second City grads like John Belushi, Gilda Radner, and Bill Murray. By 76, he was head writer and a regular performer on the top Canadian comedy series, SCTV. He wrote a screenplay which would be turned into National Lampoon's Animal House in 1978. After that, he worked as a writer with director and producer Ivan Reitman on such films as Meatballs, Stripes, and Ghostbusters. He has 42 writing credits on his IMDb, 14 directing credits, and 25 acting credits. So I'm going to jump around just a little bit. As an actor, of course, he was Aegon in Ghostbusters and the neurologist in Groundhog Day. He directed such films as Caddyshack, National Lampoon's Vacation, Groundhog Day, Multiplicity, Analyze This, and Analyze That. And as a writer, wrote films such as Meatballs, Caddyshack, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Back to School, Club Paradise, Armed and Dangerous, Groundhog Day, Analyze This, Analyze That, Year One, and Bedazzled. In May 2010, Ramus contracted an infection that resulted in complications from autoimmune inflammatory vasculitis and lost the ability to walk. After relearning to walk, he suffered a relapse of the disease in late 2011 and passed from complications of the disease on February 24th, 2014, at the age of 69.
2: We came, we saw, we kicked its
0: ass! This then puts the Ghostbusters on the map. We go to a montage of the Ghostbusters' rise to fame.
1: Good morning, I'm Roger Grimsby. Today the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity alleged ghost sightings and related supernatural occurrences have been reported across the entire tri-state area.
0: So while we end the origins part of this film, let's take us an intermission.
2: Oh. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's
1: all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Settle back now, content, comfortable, well-fed, and ready for some fine entertainment. Is everybody happy? Then let's go. It's showtime. Hi, this is Larry King. The phone-in topic today, ghosts and ghost busting. The controversy builds, more sightings are reported. Some maintain that these professional paranormal eliminators in New York are the cause of it all.
0: And we're back. Now, this film has a classic two-act structure. The first act was the origin story while the second act of the film is this team tackling a big bad.
2: 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No job is too big. No fee is too big. Is it just a mist? Or does it doesn't have arms and legs.
0: But first, we need to add the fourth Ghostbuster.
2: Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis?
1: Uh. If there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say.
0: Now, this is Winston Zedemore, oh, Ernie Hudson. Now, while some I complain point. that he is the unneeded Ghostbuster, I would come back with that he like serves as the audience surrogate for the rest like of, the of the film, getting needed explanations and exposition it, when tonight's needed.
2: tonight's worksheet. Oh, great. Two more free repeaters. This is Winston Zedemore. He's here about the job. Beautiful. You're hired. Ray Stantz, Pete Venkman.
0: The Ghostbusters are visited by Walter Please. Peck of the EPA, William Atherton the real bad guy of this film.
2: There's a man from the EPA here to see you. He's waiting in your office. EPA, what's he want? I don't know. Can I help you? I'm Walter Peck. I represent the Environmental Protection Agency, the 3rd District.
0: Now, the EPA wants to shut down the Ghostbusters. Of course, it is at the God, same time that some real trouble is a brewing.
1: I'm worried, Ray. It's getting crowded in there, and all my recent data points to something big on the horizon.
2: What do you mean, the big?
1: Well, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning's sample, it would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. <coughs> That's a big Twinkie.
2: How's the grid holding up? It's not good.
1: Tell him about the Twinkie.
2: What about the Twinkie?
0: Back at Dana and Lewis's apartment building, Lewis is throwing a rockin' party.
2: Oh, Dana, it's you. Hello, Lewis. You gotta come in here, you're missing a classic party.
0: Now, it can be argued that next to Murray, Moranis's Lewis is the comedic character in this story. So, while Lewis is being chased by the demon dog, let's talk about Rick Moranis. It can be successfully argued that no comedian had a better run in the 80s and early 90s than Rick Moranis. He was born in Toronto, Ontario, and went to elementary school with Getty Lee frontman of the rock band Rush. His career as an entertainer began as a radio disc jockey in the mid-70s. In 1980, Moranis joined the third season cast of Second City TV upon the urging of his friend Dave Thomas. At the time, Moranis was the only cast member not to have come from a Second City stage troupe. With SCTV, Moranis and Thomas created the Great White North sketch featuring the characters Bob and Doug McKenzie a couple of Canadian buffoons. They spun those characters off into a movie entitled Strange Brew in 1983, Moranis' first major screen role. From there, he was cast as Lewis in Ghostbusters in 84, Morty King in Brewster's Millions in 85, Howard Gross in Head Office in 85, and Barry Nye in Club Paradise in 86, directed by his Ghostbusters co-star, Harold Ramis. It was in 1986, though, that his career really took off, where he did, in rapid succession, Little Shop of Horror, playing the lead of Seymour Krelborn, Spaceballs playing Dark Helmet, the spoof of Darth Vader, Ghostbusters 2, Wayne Zielinski in the surprise smash hit Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 1989, Nathan in Parenthood opposite Steve Martin, Barney Coopersmith in My Boo Heaven opposite Martin again, and an uncredited turn as a gravedigger in L.A. Story, another Steve Martin movie. Unfortunately, around this time, Moranis' wife passed away from breast cancer, and while he had a few projects in the can, like the sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, called Honey, I've the Kid, and playing Barney Rubble in the Flintstones, he, in essence, went into retirement after that to raise his two children, coming out occasionally to do a voice work in the animated movie Brother Bear in 2003 and various other voiceover work. In 2020, Moranis signed on to reprise his role as Wayne Zielinski in Shrunk, a new sequel to the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. When completed, it will mark a return to live action films for Moranis after a 23 year hiatus.
2: Nice doggy, cute little pooch. Maybe I got a milk bone.
0: So, while Dana and Lewis are being possessed by the minions of Gozer. There is no Dana. Uh, watch the movie, you'll figure it out. The EPA comes to the Ghostbusters firehouse and shuts down their ghost containment grid. Mass chaos ensues.
2: He wants to shut down the protection grid, Peter. You shut that thing down, and we are not going to be held responsible On the for contrary, whatever happens. Going to be held no, we won't be. Held responsible. Shut it off. <laughs>
0: So, while New York City comes under fire by a myriad of ghosts, let's talk about director Ivan Reitman. A native of Czechoslovakia, Ivan Reitman was one of the lead director-producers of motion pictures in the 80s and 90s, and still is at it to this day. Like many of the members of the Ghostbusters cast and crew, Reitman grew up in Canada, where he started to produce and direct short films. And while in Toronto, he produced the stage production *Spellbound*, which evolved into the Broadway production of The Magic Show. His first major motion picture ventures was as a producer for two David Cronenberg movies, Shivers in 1975 and Rabid in 77. In 1978, he teamed up with Harold Ramis. And he directed National Lampoon's Animal House, which was a comedy sensation. He followed that up with the Bill Murray-starring-summer-camp-movie Meatballs in 79. As a director, he would go on to do Stripes, starring Bill Murray in 81, Ghostbusters in 84, Legal Eagles with Robert Redford and Deborah Winger in 86, Twins, his first pairing up with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger, Ghostbusters 2, Kindergarten Cop with Arnold, Dave with Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Kline. Junior, with Arnold. Father's Day, starring Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. Six Days, Seven Nights, a comedy with Harrison Ford and Anne Heche. Evolution, My Super Ex-Girlfriend, No Strings Attached, and the NFL football drama Draft Day, starring Kevin Costner, which actually was a pretty good movie. But it's as a producer that he really shone with Animal House, Heavy Metal, Space Jam, Private Parts, up in the Air, which was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture in 2009, Hitchcock, the 2016 Ghostbusters, and the, the upcoming Ghostbusters up the Afterlife. Some actors that are considered as part the world, of the Ivan Reitman like stable of actors happened. as Dan Aykroyd, Danny DeVito, so Kevin Kline, Rick Moranis, sake. Bill Murray, Whoa. Annie Potts, Harold Ramis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Sigourney oh, Weaver. You his son, Jason Reitman, hey, 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 is a well-known director, hey, hey, best known for Juno, Thank We're You for Smoking, and Up in the Air, and, and will direct battle. the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay,
2: Ghostbusters, the mayor wants to see you guys. The whole island's going crazy. Let's go. I got to split. The mayor wants to rap with me about some things.
0: The Ghostbusters are arrested, but are brought up to see the mayor, portrayed by David Margulis. Uh, Margulis ended up parlaying this appearance into a lifetime of appearances in film and television as the mayor of New York City.
1: The Ghostbusters are here, Mr. Mayor. The Ghostbusters, okay, the Ghostbusters. Hey,
2: where's this Peck? I am Walter Peck, sir, and I'm prepared to make a full report. These men are consummate snowball artists.
0: Peck Peck and the Ghostbusters argue. Everything
2: was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick.
0: Now, the Ghostbusters explained to the mayor what could happen.
2: I believe, Mr. Pecker. My name is Peck. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean? Biblical. What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Mayor. Real Wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness. Earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Enough! I get the point. And how to solve it. But what if you're wrong? If I'm wrong, nothing happens. We go to jail peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it. But if I'm right, and we can stop this thing, Lenny, you will have saved the lives of millions of registered voters.
0: The mayor agrees to let the Ghostbusters try to shut all this down.
2: I don't believe you're seriously considering listening to these men. Get him out of here. Bye. I'll fix you, Venkman. I'm gonna fix you. I'm gonna get you a nice fruit basket. I'm gonna miss him. All right, all right. We got work to
1: do. Now, what do you need from me?
0: Where do they have to do it? Dana and Lewis's apartment building, of course.
2: Hey, where do these stairs go?
0: They go up. Dana and Lewis have been possessed by the demon dogs in order to clear the way for the big bad ghost, Gozer.
2: Okay, so she's a dog.
0: The Ghostbusters face off against Gozer.
2: Gozer the Gozerian? Good evening as a duly designated representative of the city county and state of new york i order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension that ought to do it thanks very much ray
1: are you a god no then Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes!
0: Gozer makes them choose how they wish to be destroyed.
2: I couldn't help it. It just popped in there. What? What just popped in there? I, I, I tried to think. Look! No! It can't be! What is it? It can't be! What did you do, Ray? It's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Well, there's something you don't see every day. I tried to think of the most harmless thing. Something I loved from my childhood. Something that could never, ever possibly destroy us. Mr. Stay Puft. Nice thinking, right?
0: Now there's only one way for the Ghostbusters to defeat Gozer.
2: We'll cross the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad. Cross the streams. You're gonna endanger us. You're gonna endanger our client, the nice lady who paid us in advance before she became a dog.
1: Not necessarily. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive.
2: I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's
0: do it. They do this, defeat Gozer, and Winston exclaims,
2: I love this town! Ha <laughs> ha
1: Ghostbusters! If something strange in your who
0: you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Post-script. Ghostbusters opened on June 7, 1984 to generally positive reviews. During its opening weekend in North America, the film earned $13.6 million. The film remained number one for seven consecutive weeks, grossing $146.5 million. By the time it had left cinemas, it had earned $229.2 million, making it the second highest-grossing film of 1984, right behind Eddie Murphy's action comedy Beverly Hills Cop. It was re-released in North America in August of 1985, earning a further $9.4 million, raising the film's theatrical gross to $238.6 million, passing Beverly Hills Cop, to become the most successful comedy of the 1980s. Does anybody
2: want to interview me? I'm an eyewitness. I was up to I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I want to go with them. the park.
0: Ghostbusters was nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Song and Best Visual Effects losing both. Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters song reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart on August 11th 1984, two months after the film's release, and remained there for three weeks. It spent a total of 21 weeks on the charts. Now, almost none of the scenes were filmed as scripted. Most had at least one ad-lib, and most of Bill Murray's lines were ad-libs. The line, you're more like a game show host, was improvised by Sigourney Weaver. Now, when Lewis Tully mingles with his party guests, commenting on the price of salmon and so on, the scene is one continuous shot and almost entirely improvised by Moranis. Now, when bankman mentions the time Spengler tried to drill a hole in his head, Spengler's response, that would have worked if you had not stopped me, was actually ad-libbed by Harold Ramis. Interestingly enough, Ramis made a choice to never smile as Egon. Now Bill Murray agreed to do this movie only if Columbia financed a remake of The Razor's Edge with him as the star. Now, There are a few well-known actors' performances making small appearances in this film. Reginald Val Johnson, later to be known as Sergeant Al Powell in the Die Hard films and of course as Carl Winslow in Family Matters. Jean Kasem, wife of voiceover artist, Casey Kasem, who also does a voiceover, is one of the guests at Lewis's party. And Larry King made his film debut as Larry King. Now, Sigourney Weaver floating is an actual physical effect. The actress was put in a full body cast and attached to a post hidden in the curtains. This effect came from Ivan Reitman's Broadway experience, having directed the Broadway show Merlin, starring magician Doug Henning. Now after this film, William Atherton became reviled. People would try to fight him in bars. Now one day, shortly after the film's release, Atherton was walking down a stretch of 7th Avenue in New York City, when he heard lots of children shouting at the top of their lungs out of a school bus, hey dickless. This film started a Ghostbusters cottage industry. Ray Park's song Ghostbusters was the number one song in 1984. Merchandise for this film, particularly a t-shirt with the Ghostbusters logo on it, sold very very well. This film also spawned the inevitable sequel Ghostbusters 2 in 1989. The animated series The Real Ghostbusters, later renamed Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters, started in 1986 and ran for 170 episodes over seven seasons. And that itself spawned a spin-off Slimer-centric series, comic books, and merchandise. Now the second spin spin-off series from that, Extreme Ghostbusters, debuted in 1997. Ghostbusters The Video Game was released in 2009, while an all-female version of Ghostbusters starring Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, and Kate McKinnon bombed at the box office in 2016. A second sequel to the original film is in line to be released, entitled Ghostbusters Afterlife. It is directed by Jason Reitman, son of director Ivan Reitman. Its current release date is June 2021. The movie line, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, was voted as number 68 in the list of the 100 Greatest Movie Lines Ever by Premier Magazine in 2007. The movie's line, Well, there's something you don't see every day, was voted as number 19. Now, this is included among the American Film Institute's 2000 list of the top 100 funniest American movies and is included among the 1001 movies you must see before you die. And what did the bank of Marcus think of this film? Well, I loved it, of course. It's a great movie, very funny, and I give it 9 stars out of 10. Next time on the Bank of Marquis Movies podcast. I promise we'll really do this one this time.
1: I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer. Dear Lord, may our feet be swift, may our bats be mighty, and may our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I'd just like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. This summer, Tom Hanks is managing the impossible,
2: the Rockford Peaches.
1: Sound good. So let's all vote for the girls' team. Let's give the forecoach a break. You're still missing the cutoff, man. That's something that I would like you to work on before next season. Cause it's-
2: Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week.
1: We only make $30 at the dairy.
2: Well, then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. Well, you say
1: we slip in the back seat? And
2: you make a man out of me. We I'd smacked you around for a while.
1: Can't we do both?
2: The pitcher, Lori Petty.
1: I made it! I a beat!
2: <laughs> a Rockford Pete! The scout, John Lovitz. Are you coming? See how it works is, the train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna.
1: What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there were men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league of their own. All right. God knows we have a game. It's not like any of this helps, believe
2: me. Directed by Penny Marshall.
0: And that's what's coming up next on the Bank of Marquis movie podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, email us at bankofmarquis at gmail.com That's B-A-N-K-O-F. M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at gmail.com And check out the website www.bankofmarcus.com And until next time I'm watching you
1: Wazowski Always watching